that. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 is where we're going to begin. I was a little bit uh, worried because last week Brother Brian was preaching and I was hearing what he was uh, preaching on and the message was going right along with what I'm going to be preaching on tonight. And uh, so some of this might be a little bit of repetition, but that's good for us. And uh, it just helps it to sink down, deep down into the heart. And uh, may we be helped tonight. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, and I want to be preaching through just a series of balancing life. And, you know, balancing time is one thing. That's where we're going to be tonight, balancing our time. But also there's seasons. There's other things that we need to balance when we come to this area of balancing our life. And so tonight is going to be balancing your time. And I know that's very difficult for some of us, particularly maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself tonight, but balancing our time is something that is very important. When we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, is what we're going to be looking at for just a little bit. We're going to go through 24 hours of his life and see the different challenges, the different how he filled up his time. Let's put it that way. And uh, how he spent his time because we know that he's the reference for everything that we say and do. And so if the Lord knew how to balance his time, maybe he could teach us a little bit how to balance our time. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, And they went into Capernaum, that's Jesus and his disciples. They went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou, Jesus of Nazareth? Are thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Talk about having your sermon interrupted, right? Uh, right in the middle of his preaching, this guy stands up and has this unclean spirit. And now all of a sudden, in the middle of his preaching, he's got to address the situation. And Jesus casts out the demon, the Bible says. And so it says in verse 25, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region, round about Galilee, and forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of the fever, and Anon, or straightway, they tell him of her. So he goes immediately from after preaching, and this man with an unclean spirit, he casts out that unclean spirit. Uh, quite the deal to do, you know, people were talking about this, and, it doesn't say how long that that transpired. It doesn't say how long that he was preaching, how long he was in the synagogue. But after this event, he, he stops and he leaves and he goes to Simon Peter's house, which is just right next to the temple, and he's going in there and he learns of Simon Peter's mother-in-law and how she's got this infirmity and now he's ministering to her, so there's something else that's going on. Verse 31, And he came and he took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto him unto them, and even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of the diverse diseases, and cast out many devils. And he suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. 
imagine how much time that this took. All day long, he's ministering to people. Doesn't have a break. You know, there's times when I talk to my wife, and you ask, have you, have you done your devotions? Uh, have you, you know, how's your prayer life doing? And things like this. I want to know where she's at spiritually. And she says, you know, I don't have much time to myself. You know, I, as soon as I wake up, the kids are ready for me. I don't have time to myself to sit down. And she said, I might get maybe a couple verses to myself, and that's it. And she says, you ask me these questions. I'm like, well, I think it's fair, <laughs> you know. And uh, But this is the ministry. This is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ from the morning until the evening. He is dealing with people. He's dealing with situations. He's doing ministry even in, in, in times where you think that maybe he just needs a, a time off for lunch. He doesn't have a lunch break. He doesn't have a dinner break with his family. And it's just all throughout the day he is ministering to his family. And in verse 35, and in the morning... Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon, they that were with him, followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he, he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore come I forth. And he preached in all their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out uh, devils. And so with that, I'll just stop there and we'll pray and we'll get into the message for this morning, or tonight, I should say. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, would you please help me as I preach this message. Lord, help us to balance our time. Uh, Lord, I know, at least in my life, it gets away from me and help me and help those here uh, to, to know how to use our time effectively for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm always amazed at that passage over 1 Corinthians chapter 4 where it says, Moreover, it's required of stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. You know, what does it take to be faithful? It takes time, doesn't it? Uh, you know, the only way that we know how to be faithful is we got to use that time that's been given to us, that 24 hours of the day, uh, every single minute, every single second, we got to use it in a way that would honor God. There's time that's involved in that. There is obedience that's involved in that faithfulness. Uh, because if you're, not, if you're not obedient, then you're not faithful, at least to your master. And then not only is there obedience, but you've got to do a job that's well done. And there's a lot that's involved with that. You could be a surgeon and go out and do a surgery, but if you don't do it right, you could really mess somebody's life up. And so you, in order to be a faithful, a good surgeon, to have a good reputation, you got to really pay attention to every single thing down to the T because you're dealing with people's lives. That's what really amazes me. I remember talking to one of my professors at Bible college, and I told him, I said, you know, I've been dealing with this thought. I, I don't really know what to do. I, I, I was praying about maybe doing my master's degree. This is before I left, uh, and you know I, I got my bachelor's degree and went out into the ministry. But before I went into the ministry, I remember asking the question. He says, "Well, when a surgeon, you, if you would go and you would have this this health issue, you wouldn't want a surgeon who knows exactly what they're doing. And so you got to know if you're prepared to go out into the ministry or not. Maybe you might need more training. Maybe you don't." And he says, uh, "But you need to know." how to effectively use that time for God's glory. That's, that's what I'm challenging you with tonight is how to use that time in a way to help others. 
Because sometimes I get to, it, it, you know, all up in my head, how, Lord, what am I going to do when I'm faced with this situation? Uh, you're the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to the morning, all the way to the evening, and these people will come to you, you have all the answers. <laughs> and I'm searching for them. You know what I mean? And that's sometimes where I find myself. Lord, what do I do? How do I use this time? What ways do I need to use it for your glory? And so we got to really, really hone in on how to use that time. For God. We only have a little time left. A little time left. There's going to come a day where we're going to breathe our last. And we're going to look back, have we used that time for God's glory? You know, we, we, many of us, it used to be that every single person had something on their hand, and, you know, a little wristwatch, right? And you would sit down, and you're like, people were talking to you, and you're thinking about the, 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 your schedule that you have, and, and, and you're like, man, I got to go. I got, there's something going on. Your kids are having dinner with you, and you're watching the clock on the wall, and, or, or something's going on, and you're like, I got to go. My, my watch is ticking. There's something I need to do. There's something this, that must happen. And there are sometimes in the day and age in which we live, there's smart watches and you got text messages. I'm glad I don't have one of those. And you got text messages flashing over your smart watch and you got emails coming over and you're like, there's something else to do and something else to do and something else to do. And there's always something more to do. We all have things that help us to monitor our time but even when I found that there's apps and I've downloaded those apps and I've tried to use those apps for, for God's glory I found even then I can't keep up with it all and again I just I struggle I struggle personally with time management and how to use that time uh, have you ever thought about time being a gift from God there's only so much time that we have with our families there's only so much time that we have to do something for God's glory. There's only so much time that we have left. And then we're going to one day report to God with this life that he's given to us. It's a gift, but it's a gift to be enjoyed. It's not something to take with drudgery. You say, well, I just, I can't catch a break and I'm just working myself and I just, I'm always wore out and I can't seem to catch a break. It's something to be enjoyed. We never read anywhere where the time that Jesus had, that it was something of a, a drudgery, is something that he dreaded. He's like, oh, here we go again. Uh, I wonder how many people are going to show up my door today. I wonder what I'm going to have to accomplish today. He never does that. But for us, we struggle because we're like, I just want some time to myself. Sometimes we wonder if, we, if it's wrong to feel selfish about that. Moses told us over in Psalm 90, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And that's Moses. They didn't have planners back in the day. There were, Moses wasn't walking around with Joshua and saying, Joshua, what's on, your, what's on the schedule? What's on my emails? What's on the list? Joshua, what do I got to do today? There was a time when Jethro, his father-in-law, saw Moses and he's sitting up here in this judgment seat and he's judging all these cases and, and Jethro, he tells Moses, he says, this is not good for you. You need to find other men who's going to be able to help you do this for God's Lord. You can't handle all this yourself. You're not God, Moses. But wandering around 
in that wilderness wandering, using each and every moment to try to teach and to instruct the children of Israel, God has your day under control. God has the things you're worried about under control. Teach us to number our days. We may apply our hearts unto wisdom, but we might live it for the one that we're going to meet one day. When he's going to ask us, what have you done with that life that I've given you? What have you done with that time that I've given you? Not everybody have, has the day planner like you and I have. Not everybody has a yearly calendar like you and I had. Nobody, Jesus didn't walk around with sticky notes. That's the only way I seem to be able to remember anything. But he didn't walk around with sticky notes to remind him of what needed to get done. But even Solomon, one of the wisest men on the face of this earth, I, I read through the book of Ecclesiastes and everything he set his heart out to do when he's doing all this planting of vineyards and gardens and building these stone structures and these great temples and uh, applying his heart to all sort of wisdom of available at that day and age in which he lived and yet he never walked around with a day planner or a yearly calendar or any of those meeting with dignitaries and diplomats and the queen of Sheba and all those that are coming to him asking him for wisdom and writing down all of the proverbs of which we have recorded in the Bible and somehow or another he seemed to make it yes time is a gift of God to be enjoyed and it's amazing when we look at the Bible, you don't find anywhere, at least where I can see Jesus, even hints at the idea that time is something to be endured, but something to be enjoyed. And we must employ our time as something to be stewarded and not squandered. Uh, not one time in Scripture did you find Jesus constantly checking your watch. Not one time does, uh, is Jesus in a hurry. I, I find myself I'm constantly in a hurry. Uh, you know, I'm driving down the road and, and I'm tempted to really push down that gas pedal just a little bit so the car can go a little bit faster and I know the speed limit and I'm like, I just need to get there. You know, There's a time that I need to get there. I've had people say, well, I'm here just right on God's time and they walk through the door. And I'm like, yeah, but you're retired. I, I got things to do. You know what I mean? This is, I'm, I'm here right on time, Pastor. I was like, yeah. What did you do today? But he's, he's not worried about any of these things. So much of our days, we have the idea that we've got to be driven. We've got to push the boundaries of time. We've got to be burning both ends of the candle, but not in the life of Jesus. So what do we see? In John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Okay, well, we must work the works of him while it is day. What does that mean? What is, what is he saying? He's saying that the day that God has given him and the work for that particular day, you see, there are things that people add to their own day and they've exhausted themselves. It's not what God added to their day. It's what they've added to their day. And Jesus says there's so much day out of, you know, so much um, time that the Lord has given me, so much work that needs to be done. And in that time, I need to do that work. Not all these other distractions. Not all these other distractions of life, just what God has given me to do. i got to steward my time with what God has given me to do within that period of time. And then in John chapter 17, verse 4, he says, I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I hope, I hope one day that I'm going to be able to say the same as Jesus. Lord, I've accomplished everything you've called me to do. You want to know what? I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> You want to know why? Because I've already blew it the previous day. But Jesus could say 
I finished the work that you gave me to do. It's like your boss asking you, uh, have, have you done everything on this list? Have you accomplished this? This needs to get done. This needs to get done. But God's not a boss like that. But there are things he's called us to do to witness, to be faithful to our families, to be diligent in our work and not slackers. There are things that we've been given to do and we're to do it within the time that God has given us. And yes, resting. Resting is a part of God's program. Uh, I find when uh, the, the everybody, all the disciples were worried to death on the Sea of Galilee when the ship was being driven to and fro and every which way and it seemed like they were all going to perish in the ship. Where was Jesus? He was asleep. And there was no problem with Jesus getting some sleep. There's no problem with us getting sleep. He created the Sabbath day as a day of rest, so we must understand how to use our time, use it wisely. And there are three ways in which we can effectively use our time for God's glory. So let us look at the first one here in the book of Mark. It's found in verse 35. He uh, prioritized private time and prayer. We find verse 35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there, what did he do? He prayed. It's amazing to me that uh, these, back in the day, even David talks about the praying morning, evening, and night. Daniel prayed three times a day. And you look at the watches in which they prayed. This was a, uh, the fourth watch probably. It's somewhere between 3 to 6 a.m. Only the one that I know that does that currently is Brother Brian Walsh, and he gets up at like 4 in the morning to, to do all this. But it doesn't say when Jesus got up to get up and pray. Just sometime between this time period, between 3 and 6, we know that Jesus gets up and he doesn't just spend like 10 minutes in prayer. He's praying probably for at least an hour. He's spending time with the Heavenly Father. He's quality time. It's, it's not some, some fleeting time. It's not some passing time. It's not something to check off a list, but it's really sincere, private prayer in which he's alone with God and there's no distractions. In fact, we find in the, the verses following this that when Jesus is going out, it's, it's shortly after that the disciples are going and looking for him where he went so that he could tell them, hey, Jesus, don't you know that there are people seeking for you? He wasn't worried about that. He just said, I need time alone with God. When I look at everything that Jesus did that previous day, sometimes we say this, well, you know what? My, my day is just so jam-packed. And I got so much to do. And to find 10 minutes to pray to God, I mean, that's just really, 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 really pushing it. <laughs> well, if you're that busy, you're more busy than what Jesus was when he was casting out demons, when he was preaching, when he was ministering to the disciples, when he was doing everything that he did that previous day. Sometimes when I go home and I talk to my wife, and she says, what, what, how was your day? You know, what did you do today? And I'm thinking back over the day, and I'm telling her, I said, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, <laughs> but I've done a lot. You know what I mean? 
But if we don't fit in this time of prayer, we're too busy. We need time to pray. If not, we're just saying that there are other things that are just more important in our lives than God. And none of us would dare make that confession, right? But when we live our lives, when our lives confess it ourselves, hey, God, there are other things more important than you. What did you do the first thing this morning? Was God a priority? That's convicting to me. I don't know about you, but it's convicting to me. It seems to be my children know how to wake up early. <laughs> and as a result, I need to get up early. But God needs our time. Again, Jesus had other things calling for his attention. Uh, but we ought not to forget that there we need to make this time for God. Instead of coming up with excuses why we can't do something, let us create opportunities to get serious about God in our lives. Let me ask you this question. What does the Bible say in John chapter 15? Without me, you can do nothing. You know, sometimes I go through my whole day and I'm trying to get things done and I'm trying to work things out and I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure, I'm really sincerely trying to figure things out and I get frustrated when it doesn't go my way. And when I get down and I'm trying to figure it out, the Bible says without me you can do nothing. When we go and we forget to pray the first thing in the morning, in other words, we're trying to do something without God's help and without his power and the Bible says without me you can do nothing. If we want to get something done in our lives, we need to go back to John chapter 15 and, and figure out that's the problem. That's where everything lies. This is what we need to get back to. If I want to get something accomplished in my life, I need to get back and say, God, I need your help to get something done today. Let me ask you another question. How do you become more Christ-like? Is it by not praying? Oh, no, Pastor, it was not by not praying. Uh, how do you become more Christ-like? By praying. You look all throughout the gospel messages, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every single one of them record Jesus praying somewhere. And he has this fervent, consistent, strong prayer life, a prayer life that we all desire, but if we don't, if we don't purposely work at it, we're not going to have a prayer life like Jesus. So if we're going to be more Christ-like, we need to be busy being like our Savior, which is to be praying to a thrice holy God. I mean, not just, not just a little bit here, not just a little bit there, but fervently praying to him. And through prayer, we can get to victory, I believe. And if we're not getting victory, maybe we need to pray more. Here's the thing. Some people, maybe they might have problems with language. I've never heard anybody cuss when they're praying to God. They say, well, I have, I have a problem with pornography. I have a problem with this. I have, well, you're not going to be looking at those things if you're praying. I have a problem with my relationships. Well, you're not going to have a problem if you work on that first relationship with your Heavenly Father. That's where you get to victory. So maybe we need to do more praying. Let me ask you another question. How are you going to do the will of God? 
because you would have a hard time convincing me. Even, even people who are not really serious about the will of God, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll say, Pastor, uh, you know, I need to talk to you. And afterwards, they're going to tell me, hey, I, I'm taking this other job. I'm, I'm going to be moving. This is going to be happening. I want to do this. I want to do that. Uh, I want to buy and sell and what have you. And they'll come to me and I'll ask them and they say, well, how do you know that this is the will of God? Well, Pastor, you know I've it's taken me a long time to come to this conclusion. Really, this is the first time you're coming to me. Well, it's been going on for a long time, and God's been working in my heart, and so, but I've really, really, how do you know it's the will of God? Well, I've prayed about it, and I got peace about it. Even the person who's not really serious, and they're trying to convince me that they're doing the will of God, even they say that they pray in order to figure it out. So how do we want to know to do the will of God for the day that God has given us? if we are not praying. The truth is you can't not know that you are doing the will of God without praying. You might be doing different things throughout your day, but if you haven't prayed about it, how do you know that the will of God is what you're doing? So we're wasting a lot of time if we don't first learn how to pray and we just get upset, we set ourselves up for frustrations. Let us look at the second part, purposefully stewarding time to glorify God. Again, just Brother Brian was mentioning some of this last week, and uh, when I think about the Grinch who stole Christmas, remember me mentioning, I think it was Sunday night, where he says, noise, 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 and it just really drowns out everything else that is going on. After Jesus gets up, and he is praying, verse 36, and Simon and they that were with him followed after him. It wasn't that they followed him, but they were going to where Jesus was. And we understand that because of verse 37. And when they had found him, when they had found him, they went searching for him. They said unto them, all men seek for thee. And I like verse 38 because it's almost like he's ignoring what they said. Jesus, all men are seeking for you. Verse 38, and he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. It's interesting how many voices that are pulling for our attention in this world. We got social media, we got news, we got family situations, we got business to take care of, we got work to do, all that noise that are pulling for our attention. Remember Elijah. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. He was a giant of the faith, and he was doing great things for God. And then, of course, the Mount Carmel and the fire fell, consumed the sacrifice. And it seems after that, that great man of God, somewhere along the line, something went wrong, and he's where he ought not to be, right? He's in the cave. How did he get in the cave? He was listening to the wrong voice, wasn't he? He's talking about what went on with Jezebel, where Jezebel's threatening and nobody else is standing for you, God. I'm alone, I'm left, and you know, it's, without me, nothing's going to get done, and they're threatening my life. What, what happened to the God that you serve on Mount Carmel who answered by fire? Another voice was dictating what Elijah was doing. And I like this because he gets back to the place where he could hear the voice of God. So it was the voice of God that told him, hey, Elijah, there are 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. I want you to go and uh, 
talk to Elisha. He's going to be the next prophet to take your place. I want you to go and meet this person and that person, and soon he's back on track to, to do what God has called him to do when he began to hear the voice of God once more. we got a purpose to hear the voice of God. That's what we need most. Uh, this is precisely what we see taking place in the life of Jesus in verses, again, verse 36 and 37 and 38, all down through. He was possessed with purpose. The disciples are saying, Lord, all men are seeking for you. All men want you. There are other things that they want you to cast out devils. They want you to do what they, you did previously. But Jesus says, no, 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 I got to go into the next town. Who told him that? The disciples told him, he said, no, these men are seeking for you. The town was looking for him, but that's not what Jesus did. He was not listening to those voices. He was listening to the voice of his heavenly father. That's what we need to get back to. If we're going to do something purposefully for God, we need to be listening to his voice. Genesis 2.15, we hear where the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And uh, the word dress there has the idea of, of working and laboring is in the idea of also bringing worship to God. And uh, they are doing something, but then they hear another voice in the garden, don't they? Yeah, as God said. They stopped doing what God had called them to do, to dress and to keep the Garden of Eden. They're listening to another voice, which they ought not to be listening to, casting doubt on the word of God. All of a sudden, they are out of the will of God, and they bring sin into the world. And because of sin, we see the suffering and death that we're faced with on a day-to-day basis. Too many young people have the mindset of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. In other words, you can do what you want today. You can listen to all those other voices. You can go in all those other directions. You can do what you want for a while, but one day you will be accountable for that time that you've wasted. You will be brought into judgment. We've got so much more that we could say, but we got to be very, very careful about how we live this life for God's glory. Joshua 1 8 says this In this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Diet, exercise, time management, stress, all that has to do, the Word of God has to do with balancing our time, prayer has to do with balancing our time. just bring all this in there. I know it's things that we don't like to think about, but it is biblical when we think about eating right and spending our time right and going to sleep at the right time, exercising, because all that influences how we spend our time. Put out the distractions and find the will of God and do it with all your might. We find the last way in which we can be effective for God which is to emphasize people. Jesus emphasized people. 
See, it wasn't just that he prayed, and it wasn't just that he listened to the voice of God instead of all the other voices pulling for his attention, but he put his focus on people. He said that the Lord had called him to seek and to save that which is lost. I should say the Father called him to seek and save that which was lost. He came with a holy purpose. Even when going to the cross, he set his face like a flint to go into Jerusalem. There was no turning. Even when others tried to, uh, to influence him otherwise, and the Pharisees came up to him and he says, don't you know that Herod's trying to seek your life? And he says, go and tell that fox such and such, you know. And he says, it's, it's not going to be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem, is what he says. He was right where he needed to be, but he began to emphasize people in these relationships where he constantly teaching, constantly preaching, constantly discipling, constantly being faithful and being there for Mary and Martha when Lazarus dies and all these things that he does. The life is made up of relationships. You just can't avoid it. One thing you learn about life, you can't avoid relationships. And so what do you do with them? Not only do we have time, but we have relationships, and in those relationships we are to point people to God. Jesus spent time with the man with the unclean spirit. doesn't say how long. Sometimes when we read through, we just say, well, he just said a bunch of words, the unclean spirit came out, he left, and you know, it was all a matter of just a couple minutes. I don't think so. He spent time with Peter's mother-in-law. She was there serving all the house. He spent time with the disciples. Jesus was a people person. He was able to deal with large crowds and small crowds and personal relationships. And never once did he say, I don't have time for you. I learned this a long time ago. I was uh, went up to Michigan. There was a particular church that I was going up to. This is right as before I even left Bible college, I thought that that's where the Lord was leading for us to go and an assistant pastor role. And I was talking to the pastor. He flew us up there two or three times. On that third time, uh, he says, you notice this person that keeps talking to you, don't you? I said, yeah, you know, just, he just likes to talk. I mean, he says he's a time waster. I said, what are you saying? He says, it's okay to talk with him. He said, but make, make meaningful conversations and let them know that there are other people that you need to be communicating with as well. You can't just spend all your time with just one person because as a, an assistant pastor or a pastor, you got to be able to minister to all the flock, not just one or two. And they have a way of just talking and talking and draining your time and you never get anything done. You'll never do God's will if you're constantly there at that one spot. Uh, on one of the visits, again, uh, we, we had met them, and uh, th these people of Faustoria were people who had, uh, they were, I never saw anybody fellowship like these people did. On one Sunday evening, I remember we, the service let out about 8.30, I think. The people didn't go home till about 10.30, 11 o'clock. The pastor was meeting with the deacons, and they didn't go home till 1 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, what in the world can they be talking about till 1 o'clock in the morning? They have all these things going on and RU programs and things like that. And their family situations, they just had so many programs, so many 
things that were going on that filled up the calendar throughout the week and they just never had any time with their own families. And as a church, you know, a church is made up of families and we can't destroy families. There's a point in time where you could have too many programs and we got to be able to focus our time and put the emphasis right where it needs to be. Jesus placed the emphasis on people, on healing, on teaching, on preaching, on saving, all kinds of things, but uh, make that time meaningful while you have that time together. Don't just talk to talk. I've met plenty of people like that. It just seems to uh, be able to talk for hours on end, and I'm like, what's this conversation about in the first place? Boundaries are good and a healthy thing, and we got to realize where those boundaries are we could be infringing on other people's uh, valuable time. Jesus had a general re- relationship as a Jewish man to the Jewish people. He would go to the festivals. He would go to the Feast of Israel. He had a ministerial relationship to John the Baptist. John had his ministry. Jesus had his ministry. They both ministered together around the same regions, but they did were able to spend time together here and there, but it wasn't a lot of time. Jesus had a relationship of uh, to those lives that he had touched, you know, whether it was healing or casting out demons and, and devils and raising the dead back to life and other people like that. He, he was able to minister to the lives that he had touched. He didn't forget about them. He had a relationship to his family. Find where he went back to Nazareth and his brothers were saying, why don't you go back to Jerusalem? You know, they're looking for you there. It's the feast knowing what they were determined to do to him. There was one occasion where Jesus said, who are my mother and my brother and my sisters? They who do the will of God. He had friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. He had students, 70 disciples. He had uh, his inner circle, the 12 disciples. He had his close inner circle of the three disciples among the twelve, Peter, James, and John. Jesus knew where the boundaries lie and what each relationship meant. And he knew how to spend that time. Every relationship will have different emphasis. I hope Brian doesn't mind me sharing this, but he said uh, uh, one time, he says, you know, I know that I have a job to do, but after six o'clock, there's a time where it just it's not acceptable to be answering these phone calls, you know. There's a time, even as a pastor, where I'm like, if it's past 8 o'clock, I'm, you're not going to get a phone call from me unless it's like extremely important. It can wait till the morning. So I've had people call me at 10, 11, 30 at night. I had one blind man in the church, and uh, he, he would come, he would call it all out. I was like, what is he doing calling 11, 30 at night? What could be the meaning of this conversation? And it wasn't that he didn't know what time it was. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. I didn't know all your kids were in bed. I'm like, what do you think they're doing at night? <laughs> Every relationship has a different emphasis. Don't forget to spend time with people because you only have so much time with them and you can't get it back. Nobody should get more out of our time than God. Nobody should get more out of my time than my wife. One thing that I'm trying to guard as a pastor and it's hard for me to do is to, you know, because I don't want there to be a contention in the heart of my own wife to where she could say, well, you spend more time with so-and-so than you do me. And that happens at times. 
but I got to value that relationship. And you want to know why? Because I could lose that marriage, which is a gift from God. I got to really value that time with my wife. I got to really value that time with my children. I got to really value my time, but I got to know where those boundaries are uh, with, with my family. If you're going to try to figure out how to balance your time, uh, especially during this holiday season, you're going to need wisdom. You're going to have to figure out how to do it the way that I told you. You want to, have to figure out how to do balance your time, make time for God in the morning. Make God a priority. Without him, you can do nothing. Uh, and then number two, figure out how to purposefully use that time. Not listening to all these other voices, but listen to God. If you spend time in the morning with God and you got that prayer life right, then you want to know how to purposefully use that time for God's glory and stop wasting time. Sometimes we give people a hard time. Why are you putting off salvation? You're not promised tomorrow. Stop wasting your time. And then spend it with people for God's glory, pointing people to Christ, making each and every minute count because we only got so much time to build these relationships, only so much time with each other. We can't take it for granted. Ask, ask God how to help you to balance your time and to steward it for his glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time together. And Lord, I know that many of us struggle with this. We're trying to figure out what's going on, what's going wrong, how come we're exhausted, how come things don't seem to be working out. Help us to learn from you and your example. Lord, help us to keep God first in our lives. Stop paying lip service and start doing it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.